Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get in to today's recap of Washington's 19-13 win at FedEx Field yesterday over the Atlanta Falcons to push Washington to 7-5 and in to the 7th seed in the NFC playoff picture. A lot to get into today. But as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs with first-to-market odds and lines with NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA, NHL, futures bets, golf, esports, anything under the sun that you think that you could bet, you can find it at Bet Online. Head on over to the websites that are use your mobile device to get 50% off your welcome deposits using our code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V to get 50% off your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So let's get in to today's episode. We're going to look at offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball for Washington. A game, again, that was a edge-of-your-seat, nail-biting victory for the Burgundy and Gold. A day that was celebrated for Sean Taylor's family, honoring his legacy for the team. 15 years. It's crazy to think that it's been 15 years since Sean Taylor passed away, tragically, at the age of 24, back in 2007. And that's where I want to start today, and I want this to come off as as best as possible, but the quote-unquote statue or installment, whatever that was that Washington displayed yesterday, uh, was a joke. Um, It's unfortunate because it's what we've seen in the past um, when honoring former players, alumni, Celebrating certain events, teams, coaches. It, it just really was unfortunate. And you saw Sean's family there yesterday. You heard comments from his daughter on the memorial. But for who Sean was as an athlete and one of the most unique football players to ever play the game, um, for me, he is my favorite all-time athlete. Um, you know, I was I wasn't even... You know, I was 11 years old, unfortunately, when he passed. But the effect that he had on a generation of football players to play the safety position was one of a kind. And it really was just, yesterday was, there there was no, it looked like it was just, it was put together in five minutes. His famous helmet wrapping, the face mask with tape. You know, there was there was nothing in the memorial that sh- that showcased Sean Taylor. He doesn't he didn't wear gloves. He would wrap his fingers. Didn't wear gloves. That was that was on the mannequin. You had a Nike jersey on Reebok pants. You had Adidas soccer cleats. Now I get it. Sean liked to wear soccer cleats when he played. I understand that. I get it. But it wasn't those cleats. It doesn't take long to dive into the inventory a little bit. And get the cleats that he wore when he played. And it was a wired mannequin that looked like you took from J.C. Penney. And you hung up in the middle of the stadium. Now, I understand Washington made it, wanted to make it a point to where it was, 
you could move it and you could transfer it from stadium to stadium at one Washington or if Washington gets a new stadium here in the next, you know, five to seven years. But this is a player that from a face of the franchise perspective was one of the most exciting athletes to watch in its history. And you put that together, it looked like in 10 minutes and someone okayed that to display to the public. I just thought it was a joke. And I, I'm not expecting, when what, what we heard was expecting to be a statue, that was by no means even remotely close to being a statue. But there was just no effort there. You know, you could look around your house right now for bits and pieces and put that together in seven minutes. You gra- they just grabbed a Sean Taylor jersey and put it on a mannequin. It's, it, I don't want to use the word disgusting, but it was embarrassing to start that day out. And I'm glad focus shifted to football, which we will get into, I promise. But I had to, to take a minute to address that because of who Sean was as an individual and his family being there yesterday and the amount of fans that you see every single week, not just when the family and his legacy is being celebrated, of the amount of people that wear Sean Taylor jerseys every single week around the city, around the country, people wearing his 36 jerseys that he used to wear at Miami. Sean Taylor was a historic football player. And for that to be displayed yesterday in honor of him, from what we've seen in the past with Washington, what they've done in honoring Sean's family, I'm not going to get into the past, what happened, taking pictures in front of a Don John, the stuff with Jackson Mahomes with the Chiefs uh, last year. I'm not going to get into all that. But I expected more. And I think there was definitely, there's a reason we expect more from a billion dollar organization. But unfortunately, that's what we've come to be used to, to not living up to expectations with doing stuff, especially off the field and celebrating the organization's past. So I'm going to stop there. I'm going to get into football. Again, a 19-13 win for the Washington Commanders yesterday. A game, especially at the beginning portions of the game, I want to. this is when I want to start today, with Atlanta's front five. And we talked about heading into the week. How good Atlanta's front five is and how technically sound they are. And you look especially in that first half, running with Tyler Algier, running with Marcus Mariota on RPOs, involving Corderell Patterson, they kept Washington off balance. Whether they want to run the inside zone, whether they want to create outside the tackles, minimal passing, right? They targeted Drake London a few times, targeted him four times. Olamide Zacchaeus was their leading receiver, eight targets, five catches for 91 yards. Had that long 45-yard reception there in the fourth quarter that made things a little tricky as we move back into that near that two-minute warning. And Atlanta was driving down the field trying to win that ball game. But they did such a good job of displacing John Allen and Deron Payne in the run game. And a lot of it was duo blocking in the interior with guard and center, doubling Deron Payne, then guard center, doubling uh, John Allen and having the tackles involved. And what they did especially was involve those tight ends and fullback into blocking as well. And they blocked extremely well. They understood where to position their body, how to create creases, where to seal, how to seal. Not just running into a body and, 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 and relying on Algier and Patterson to read off your block. Everything was technically sound for them. Now, Washington figured it out as they moved into the second half. They added a body along the interior. You saw some John Ridgeway with that five-man front. So you had John Ridgeway as your nose. And opposite of him on either side of shoulders was John Allen and Deron Payne. 
And then outside was a little bit of Casey Tuhill. He saw Montez Sweat work over the left tackle. We saw him get that sack when working over the right tackle. So they moved him around a little bit. Washington adjusted. And they didn't allow Atlanta's front five to continue to double and triple team John Allen and Deron Payne. Now, I thought Jamin Davis did a decent job yesterday. I thought he in coverage, he was picked on a ton. He was targeted 10 times in coverage. So they, they did pick on him a little bit over the intermediate areas of the offense. But he was second in the team with tackles with six. Derek Forrest led the team with eight. Um, there was only one sack that Montez Sweat had moving into to that second half. But I had to get a, give credit to Atlanta's front five because that first half, and especially that first quarter where they drove down the field and put three on the board, you know, they blocked extremely well. And it was really a throwback style brand of football yesterday because it was messy. The field was a little muddy. It was raining throughout the ball game. And it was just a throwback style of football to where we get so spoiled nowadays watching the Patrick Mahomeses and the Josh Allens and the Joe Burrows slinging around the field 45, 50 times for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Yesterday was a ground and pound style of game. Atlanta ran it 29 times with Algier, Patterson, Mariota, and Caleb Huntley. Washington ran it. It, it, they ran it with Brian Robinson 18 times. Antonio Gibson, 9. Jonathan Williams got some touches. He had 4 carries. Curtis Samuel had 4 carries. Terry McLaurin, again, had a carry. This was a ground and pound style of game. So both teams rushed. Washington rushed over 30 times. And Atlanta right under that 30 mark. It was, And Mariota threw 25 times. Taylor Heineke threw 23 times. This was a throwback brand of football game yesterday. Two teams in the trenches that flat out got after each other. Washington's front five, I thought Cornelius Lucas, he split times with Sam Cosme at right tackle. Cosme had 10 more snaps than Cornelius did at right tackle. Cornelius Lucas was absolutely fantastic yesterday, in the run game especially. Absolutely fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing the film and the All-22, and I'll post some clips of what, I'm, what, I, what I liked, what I didn't like on some things. To, um, as we get the film comes out tomorrow... Uh, on my Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler, if you don't follow me there already. But there were a lot of positives yesterday's game. But there were some negatives. And I am scared, ladies and gentlemen, about the ceiling again of this offense with Taylor Heineke throwing the football. I thought his touchdown pass to John Bates was a damn good throw. The right side of the end zone, the front side of the end zone, layering over to that second level. But the ceiling of this offense... I get Washington is a ground-and-pound, downhill style of football. We saw that a ton with Brian Robinson, who had his breakout game yesterday, 105 yards, nearly 6 yards a carry, and his longest rush was 21 yards on the day. It was absolutely fantastic. But Taylor Heineke, especially that, that drive to end the first half and that pick that he threw to Michael Walker, it just cannot happen. And those are the plays. When you get into placing even better teams next week against the Giants and then you play the Giants right after the bye Giants have a good defense they make plays and they also tend to put the ball in the end zone when they have an opportunity and yesterday you saw the little things come back to almost bite Washington in the backside a missed extra point from Joey Sly and that turnover at late in the half where you're trying to drive and get a field goal that's four points right there Potentially, you know, you get go and score. That's potentially eight points there. 
So it's the little things yesterday that almost came back to bit, to bite Washington because you look back to the Minnesota game, the little things bit them there. You look back way back to the Tennessee game, little things bit them there at the goal line, not running the ball. It's just sometimes right now with Washington and how their defense specifically is playing and keeping them in football games, as good as Atlanta ran the ball yesterday, Algier had 54 yards, Patterson had 52, Mariota had 49. So they ran for over 150 yards total yesterday. It's a damn good day on the ground. But they only scored 13 points. They only scored 13 points. Had 10 points in the first half. They had three points in the entire second half. That young way coup 48-yard field goal uh, in that third quarter. Three points in the second half of a football game. Heck of a play by Deron Payne at the goal line to seal that football game. You're taught as a defensive lineman. If you can't get to the quarterback, get your hands up. That was teach tape. That was textbook from Duran getting his hands up and Kendall Fuller making a hell of a play. Speaking of Fuller, I thought he was really good yesterday. There were a ton of questions heading into that ball game. As far as who was going to play on the outside, it was Fuller. And we saw Christian Holmes get a ton of work on the outside yesterday. I thought he was fine. Wasn't that involved as far as tackling. Had two tackles. And again, the leaders for the day for Washington, I mentioned earlier as far as the solo tackles for Forrest and Davis. Forrest had eight, Jamin Davis had six. But Forrest led the team with 11 tackles, Jamin Davis had 10. But for Holmes and coverage, he was only targeted one time. Gave up one catch for one yard. The entire ball game. I get it. Marcus Marioli, Marcus Mariota only completed 15 passes. And eight of those were to guys covered by Jamin Davis. I mentioned that earlier. Jamin Davis was targeted 10 times yesterday, gave up eight catches for 110 yards and 54 yards after the catch. So he had a rough day in coverage. But for Christian Holmes to get that start yesterday and do a fine job on the outside, both in coverage and when asking to stick his face in the mud in the run game, that's a positive moving forward because that's another young piece. We know the importance of Benjamin St. Juice and what he is in this defense with as that CB1. But for Kendall Fuller, especially yesterday, to step up in the way that he did, he was targeted three times in coverage, didn't give up a catch, had the interception late. Two straight weeks now with an interception for Kendall Fuller, making plays all over the field. And I'm really glad that he's starting to come into his own and really improve after the start of the year, this year, and the back end of last year where he just was not good. Now, the intangibles still aren't there for Kendall Fuller. He's not just going to pull speed you know, out of his backside and come running and, and start running down guys horizontally all across the field. He's still going to have issues with that. We saw it yesterday a little bit. We saw it last week against Brandon Cooks in Houston. But from a coverage standpoint, he's doing a really nice job mirroring his eyes and his feet, being physical with his hands, keeping guys in front of him, and then clicking downhill and making plays with his hands on the football at the catch point. He's done a really nice job, especially this last month, month and a half of the year. And a tip of the cap, Every week, I try to get my tip of the cap, guys. And Kendall Fuller, again this week, with that game-sealing interception to where Cordell Patterson was open on that play, on that target from Mariota down at the goal line, inside the 10, that was ball game right there. That's a hell of a play. And at first glance, I wasn't sure if he kept his hands under it to secure that interception, but she sure as hell did. It wasn't close. To seal that football game for Washington, a massive victory for this team, who have now won six of their last seven. They're one of the hottest teams in the NFL. We saw the Giants lose this week. We saw Philadelphia get beat up a little bit last night against the Green Bay Packers, a game that Aaron Rodgers went out in that second half. And Green Bay almost came back and won uh, on the shoulders of Jordan Love. 
So the Philly was beat up a little bit last night, a game where they gave up 30-plus points. So right now, if you look at Washington with their next two games against the Giants, away next week at MetLife, and then in two weeks home, a game I expect all of you guys to pack at FedEx Field, they're in a really good spot to control their own destiny, especially yesterday with the Raiders beating Seattle in overtime. That moves Seattle down to the 8th spot in the NFC, and Washington is now in the 7th seed. And if the playoffs started today, they're traveling to Minnesota to face our old friend and Kirk Cousins and a team that Washington played very well this year in a game that they should have won at home. Now, I get it. Playoffs are different. Traveling on the road is different. But Washington, if they were able to get to potentially the the six. Or maybe the five, we'll see. Washington or Dallas is sitting there at eight and three right now at that five seed. Obviously, they're going to try to compete to catch to catch Philly somehow to win this division. That's going to be a race to follow. But right now, with with Washington at seven and five, and the Giants at seven and four, this game this Sunday is a battle for who wants to be the six seed. Because whoever wins and loses is most likely going to go that six seven. Seattle wins this week; they could jump to the seven. There's so many different scenarios that we're looking at right now. In this NFC, you got Minnesota in the north. You got the 49ers in the west. It's going to be the 49ers and Seahawks battling for playoff spots out there. And then all four teams in the NFC East are in the NFC playoff picture right now. In in NFL history, since divisions were switched to four teams in 2002, it's never happened. All four teams in a division make the playoffs. It's never happened. We still have a long way to go. I get that. But be able to control your own destiny at this time of the season when you're playing your best football, Washington has set themselves up in a really good spot. Now, there's a lot of things to fix. I I, I think, with again, with the performance ceiling of this passing offense with Taylor Heineke, it scares me a ton because they're going to have to throw the ball with success at some point when they face better defenses down the line and into the playoffs. Because I do think Washington will punch its ticket to the postseason. They're going to have to throw the ball with some success. And there's too many weapons on the outside in this football team to not give them opportunities down the field. Jahan Dotson had the second most snaps of any receiver behind Terry McLaurin yesterday. He wasn't involved. Had one target. No catches. No yards. Didn't have a carry. So wasn't involved in, in that facet. Terry McLaurin led the team four catches, 48 yards. John Bates, three catches, 24 yards in that touchdown. Antonio Gibson, three catches, 22 yards. But from a receiver's standpoint, we have guys that can stretch the field. We have guys that can work over the intermediate areas. We've talked about the dynamicism of Curtis Samuel on screen plays. Jahan Dotson as well. He blocked his tail off yesterday, but you didn't draft Jahan Dotson? to be a blocker on the outside. I get it. You want your receivers to stick their face in and block, especially with how well Brian Robinson was running the rock yesterday. But the passing ceiling, the aerial attack for this offense has to improve if they want to reach their ceiling. Because the goal as an NFL franchise is not just to make the playoffs. This is year three of Ron Rivera. These are his guys that he wants on the field. A performance ceiling and a ceiling to reach as an organization is a Super Bowl. That's what it, that's what the goal is every single year for a team. They're not going in saying, ah, yeah, we want to be in the middle row of the division and maybe we want to 
punch our tickets as a wildcard team, and, and we'll be fine with, with leaving as a wildcard team. Every single team wants to win a Super Bowl every single year. I'm not going to sit here and say Washington is a Super Bowl contender. I am not. But when you won six of your last seven in the way that you have in tight ball games and pulling out wins behind a, an elite front four defensively, you're battling injuries, you're battling crap off the field almost every, every single week. This team has been through some crap. And I want, I like this, how this team has battled through adversity. I talk about it every single week. Not everything is perfect. 19-13 win, a lot didn't go right for Washington yesterday. Chase Young, we didn't see him out there again yesterday. Reportedly missed the game due to an illness. Hopefully, we get him back against the Giants next week in a massive game. But right now, Washington's playing their best football through some crap. There was no Benjamin St. Juice yesterday. The importance of Chase Roulier at center, we, we've seen the last few weeks. Tyler Larson, who's been playing center, I thought has done a nice job. Interceptions at, at meaningful times and high leverage situations of the ballgame by Taylor Heineke. Not driving throws. Those are the little things that we consistently talk about that I would like for Washington to improve upon. But when you're playing your best ball with Christmas around the corner and you're 6-1 in your last seven and the locker room is gelling, you're winning games at home, you're winning games on the road, you're winning divisional games, you're winning in prime time against an undefeated then ball club, you're playing your best football at the right time. And there's positives in abundance to look at as we move forward next week to face the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. So that's going to do it for today's episode. A full recap of Washington's win. Again, 19-13 over the Atlanta Falcons. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, share, like, subscribe. Again, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work, including more audio and video content, is housed at the Draft Network. I will have a full recap out for you for of the New York Giants. Our first glimpse of the Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley-led New York Giants who've dealt with some injuries this year. We'll talk about their receiving core where I think Washington could win that ball game. I think they're in a really good spot to get another divisional win, another road win next week. But that will come out on Thursday. So as always, I greatly appreciate your time. Again, hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday and into the weekend. Uh, again, I mentioned it on the preview for the Falcons, but I'm always appreciative of your guys' time and your interactions with me on social media. And it's a nice community that we've built here. And with Washington playing good football, it's a great time to be covering the Washington Commanders and the Burgundy and Gold as we sit here at 7-5, and five, heading into a massive matchup with the 7-4 and four New York Giants next week. So again, always appreciate your time. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.